on episode 75 of the new 8 Days of Geek podcast, Xbox All Access, Apple Taps a Classic, and Pie in Your Face. Stay tuned. to another episode of the new eight days of geek podcast i'm your host jesse miller and joining me as always the man who might as well be one of the monkeys with sticks in 2001 a space odyssey sean scott i think you're severely um downplaying my skills in the uh fields your your mad tech skills just because I feel like all this shit should already work doesn't mean that I can't, you know, correcting it when it doesn't <laughs> want to. <laughs> you know, I think I think one of the, the best parts is that Sean is uh, we're, we're trying out a new. We're trying out Discord. Uh, I think I, I think it was the last episode I mentioned. One of the last two mentioned wanting to get rid of Skype uh, because Skype is the devil. Um, and we're trying Discord because it was pretty highly recommended as far as podcasting audio solutions were concerned. And it's been less than an ideal setup for Sean. It was super simple for me because I installed it. Uh, his computer doesn't have enough space to install it, so he's using the browser version. And there were some settings he had to change. Well, um, Sean doesn't like change. Uh. <laughs> I shouldn't have to change settings. Or, like, uh, you know, if you're going to have to change settings, like, they should recognize the fact that, you know, these people are going to have to change settings because you explained why the browser wouldn't recognize this and that, and I don't give a shit. Uh, but if you knew that, if you knew that's why, uh, we were having issues, then they clearly knew that there would be issues. And if they knew there would be issues, then it should like automatically pop up with, you know, like, like a little, a little clippy guy, you know what I mean? Like clippy from, from Mike from windows and be like, Hey, you're going to need to change some settings and then like walk you through it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just it's stupid if it doesn't it, it's just i feel like they're they design all this stuff just expecting everyone to know how to use it and 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 that's that's bs well it is 2018 sean and the other thing we'll have to um teach sean everyone is to uh, uh speak up and be noticed and be loud I, I f- we changed the settings, so we did. We did. Um, as long as you speak directly into the mic, Discord does have an issue. Um, I've noticed with, um, and maybe one of you guys out there in podcast land can tell me what I'm missing. Uh, whenever you're setting someone's input, uh, I need Sean's 
input volume to be down around the 60 to 75% range so that he doesn't crackle. However, when I put his input sensitivity all the way down to the, you know, the lowest setting to where his uh, voice on transmit, his Vox is basically off. He's just transmitting all the time. He the first like split second of when he talks still sometimes gets cut off, and I'm not sure if he's not talking loud enough into the mic or if it's a setting I've missed. Could be either or, because uh, you know Sean. So let us know, and uh, hopefully this Discord thing works out because you know Skype sucks. All right, so uh, Sean, you are responsible for the only blurb we have today. Uh, the only blurb uh, being the sad news of a, of a television legend death, uh, and that is uh, the passing of Robin Leach, the 76-year-old host of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. It's Lifestyles uh, of the Rich and Famous. Yes, I remember that. Right, passed voice. away uh, recently. In, in Las Vegas, he died. So... Um, like he says that he had a stroke in November and another on Monday. So, um, you know, sad news. But uh, you know, uh, Robin Leach is a he was a he was pretty uh, you know pretty famous guy for a long time. You know, so was right. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean, his that that intro is iconic. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, because it was like a, it was just a weird show, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't like a classic sitcom or a drama, you know what I mean? It was it was an odd show where he just took you around the world. It, it was a syndicated show, uh, yeah. so it wasn't even like yeah, it was just a it was an interesting way to really make a name for yourself in the television business, I think. Theme music. Welcome to television's unchallenged authority on wealth, prestige, and success. It's another dazzling lifestyles of the rich and famous. Meet dazzling. There it is. Anyone for polo? Britain's most talked about woman has it all. But behind the fairy tale fantasy of fashionable Princess Diana, there's a surprising royal price to pay. She's television's wicked witch of the nouveau riche, but Piper Laurie cast her own special spell for success the second time around. It's been good vibrations since 1962 for beach boy Mike Love. Come home to his surfing safari paradise for fun, fun, fun with pop sail on sailor of sound. These exciting stories and much, much more when Lifestyles returns in a moment. <laughs> Yeah, that is so, an iconic uh, voice right there. It is, it is. It says that uh, he he began, uh, where did I find it down here? Uh, he worked on, he worked for the National Star and CNN and on early episodes of Entertainment Tonight before coming up with the idea for Lifestyles. So that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, Entertainment Tonight was, you know, like entertainment news journalism type of deal. And, you know, I can see how that would lead into something like this. So, uh or like lifestyles, but yep. Sad to announce the, the passing of, of, of Robin Leach at the age of 76. So I, I think I would have thought he was older than that, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It feels like he should have been. Because, I mean, he was, I don't know if he was any spring chicken when he was doing that show. It, it didn't right. Like I guess it. he was just one of those guys that when we were young, we thought was a lot older than what he was. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. All right. Uh, so, um, Sean, you have an Xbox One. I have an Xbox One. This may not necessarily appeal to us, but this is pretty awesome sounding in general. Um, so Xbox All Access is a uh, subscription plan that Microsoft is uh, kind of teasing. We don't have solid 100% detail y- quite yet. But what we have been teased, what we have been told, is it's basically a subs- it's going to be a subscription service that gives you uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass, which is, you know, their pay once play you know hundreds of games for free uh type of a deal uh quote unquote free because you did pay a monthly service uh, fee for it and xbox live you know so you can play online with your friends get discounts on games that kind of stuff and also here's the kicker a console so either an xbox one s or an xbox one x um all for one monthly fee and a two-year commitment so the uh, the Xbox One S is twenty two dollars a month for two years. The uh, the X is thirty five dollars a month for two years. Considering that these consoles, I mean, an Xbox S, you know, One S is going to cost you, I don't know, two two fifty something like that. Um, then the One X, I think, is still five hundred dollars um, in the U.S. So I don't know. I mean, I I, I haven't done the all the math quite yet, but I can imagine this is probably not a horrible deal. Um, so, for instance, if you figure uh, five hundred dollars divided over twenty four months comes up to just shy of twenty one bucks, and then you're paying sixty bucks a year. For the um, uh, oh gosh, uh, the Xbox Live. So you know, I mean, and then the Xbox Game Pass is ten dollars a month. Yeah, so it's um two hundred forty. So you know, two hundred forty, and then the uh, Xbox Live at one twenty, and then we'll say an Xbox One X. That's eight hundred and sixty bucks. And if you divide that up t- over 24 months, I show just over um, $35. So, I mean, you may not be saving, you know, an unbelievable amount. You're probably saving in this situation, you know, I don't know, $24, $25. But the thing is, you're also saving sales tax, for instance. So... That might be worth it. Um, would you Would you do something like this? Uh, if you didn't already have an I Xbox? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it's a good... I feel like, I feel like it... 
like, what are they getting out of this? You know what I mean? Like, it's almost sounds like it's too good to be true. Even if you are saving 25 bucks, you know, like I, I immediately looked at it and was like, okay, I was just looking at the low end one uh, and was like, okay, 22 bucks a month times 24 months comes out to, you know, like quite a bit more than that console would cost me. But then, like you said, like you add in the, the, the other things that you're getting along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, what, where are they making anything off of this? You know, I, and you keep the console. It says after the, oh, yeah. the two years is up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they're making money because you normally, I mean, you're not, you know, technically you're not paying them any less because they don't get the sales tax. And that's really the only thing you're saving here for the most part. They're just breaking it down into monthly payments, but that makes, I think they make money on that simply because you're not paying any less and more people are going to be willing to buy a $35 a month subscription Oh yeah, it says like they, they've got some games. To- they've got some totals right here in the in the next paragraph. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the lower tier saves you like bucks. Uh, it looks like almost sixty two dollars. Yeah. You save. You only actually save about twenty bucks. It looks like on the high end one. Yeah, oh. but it, I mean, a lot of people aren't buying an an Xbox One X because. It's five hundred dollars. I mean, that's it's a lot of that's sure, a lot of money. So, sure. it, those same people would be much more willing to, you know, they're already going to get Game Pass. They're already going to get Xbox Live. If they just paid, you know, thirty five dollars a month and get a console too, I mean, I would I would do that for sure. I I would definitely consider it. Sure. Yeah. Because you know you're going to get at least two years out of the console, so. You know, and while you're paying on it, it's probably got a ridiculous warranty. I would hope. Uh, yeah, that exactly. I I would hope that it has like some kind, you know, like they're com- you know, just as if I was leasing it from my cable company. You know, like you're, you know, I would assume that uh, you know, anything that goes wrong, they would be responsible for replacing it or whatnot. So exactly, exactly. All right. So yeah, that that's something to look into. Um, like I said, we don't we don't have any concrete details yet. But uh, hopefully Microsoft comes out and tells us all that we need to know about this. Because it would be very interesting. And I think it's going to open up the door to a lot of um, a lot of Xbox, new Xbox users. So. And then uh, Sean actually put a video game one in here. Yeah, so I mean, this—it's a video game story, but it kind of ties into to the television. Uh, we recently talked about how Stars had canceled Ash versus the Evil Dead, and that uh, Bruce Campbell, as ComicBook.com puts it here, had vowed to hang up his chainsaw and officially retire from the character of Ash. Uh, however, not entirely true. Uh, and with that being said, uh, there was already a video game, an Evil Dead video game, in the works, apparently. And um, uh, Bruce Campbell will be doing the voice of Ash in said game. So um, I believe at some point he said, yeah, he says down here, uh, a whole immersive kind of dealio. I'll be Ash for that because I wouldn't want someone else's voice hamming it up, which sounds like something Bruce Campbell would say. Yeah, Uh, and it's true. So, right. 
so I don't know if it gave a name for the game here. I'm scrolling through here, and I don't see if it has a specific title. Uh, however, for any of you who are, you know, big fans of Ash and the Evil Dead and everything else, uh, if you want one one last hurrah, if you will, uh, with Ash portraying or with uh, Bruce Campbell playing portraying the character of Ash, you can pick up the the upcoming video game, which is apparently going to be, as he said, some kind of whole immersive dealio. So that makes me think it might be like a VR or something. What do you think? Uh, that would be awesome, uh, but I don't know. I'm really not sure because, you know, Bruce Campbell is not, I don't know how technically savvy he is. So, I mean, the whole immersive dealio doesn't sound like a very technical <laughs> explanation. <laughs> I love you, Bruce. Yeah, it's a good point. But, uh, so I, I really don't know where to, where to go with that one. <laughs> That's a good point. Because Pokemon Go is pretty immersive. <laughs> I guess. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's, yeah, maybe yeah. it's like uh, just catching zombies. Yeah, you're catching deadites. <laughs> right. Uh, I would play that. <laughs> uh, go into the park and then you're like, hail to the king, baby, you know? That would be interesting. <laughs> okay, so now on to. I have to tell you something, Trevor. It's time for TV news. Ah, okay. So probably the biggest television news in the last two weeks, which came as a surprise to a lot of people and came as a delight to a lot of people, uh, is that CBS has announced that after this upcoming 12th season that, you know, the highest rated comedy on television, The Big Bang Theory, will be ending its run after 279 episodes uh, and and 12 seasons. Wow. So Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, pretty big news. It, uh, I, if I recall, because, you know, uh, I've read several articles about this before putting this one in the show notes, but I believe several of the cast members had actually already signed deals to do more than just the next season. Uh, but uh, the lead, Jim Parsons, who plays Sheldon, he had decided that he wants to move on. And so uh, they they decided to wrap it up after this season. So, um now, like I said, a lot – this comes as a delight to a lot of people. You know, if you – like when I went to find a, a a story to put in the show notes, just Googling, you know, the Big Bang Theory cancellation or the Big Bang Theory is ending will return many, many results uh, of people talking about how, you know, it's it, it should have never existed in the first place or it's long past its due and, and things like that. So, you know, it's it's always been a very divisive – show despite its incredibly high ratings and as we've discussed before i mean i enjoy it i don't care i mean i'm easily entertained when it comes to television sitcoms i i get the criticisms that are leveled against it uh i understand uh, however i just have a i don't know a really low bar <laughs> i guess when it comes to um prime time television comedy so uh, um I mean, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed to be honest uh, that it's that it's ending. You know, I always found it to be a good cheap laugh, and uh, you know, I'll watch the final season. So, 
Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I mean, like you said, it's uh, it's a a good cheap laugh. I mean, I'm a geek. I know a lot of geeks are pissed because of the way it portrays us and all this different stuff. Maybe I'm a different type of geek than someone else. I mean, we're all special and unique snowflakes in our own little special and unique way. So who the hell gives a crap? It makes me laugh because I've met people like some of the people on the show. And it's it's fun to watch, you know? Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I mean, it, whether they take things to an extreme stereotypical uh, side or not, um, I find aspects of all of these different characters in a lot of the people that I know or have known over the years, you know, uh, so, and I, and I see that in all kinds of different shows, you know, um, I can, I can watch a show that is set in a, in an area of the country in a, in a, you know, in a, uh, an environment, nothing like what I grew up in and still find things to relate to, you know? And that's why I, I don't know. I, I say, I just have a low bar, but I don't know. I just, I, I find things easily relatable sometimes and, and, you know, whether it's stereotypical or not, I do think it's funny. And, um, you know, there's a lot of aspects of these characters that I see in my friends and people that I've known. So, like a love of trains. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of a bummer, but, you know, I mean, it's better that, I mean, that honestly, it overstays though, its welcome, you know? Sure, sure. And I'm sure a lot of people would say that it, even people, even fans of the show who aren't, you know, necessarily like the geeks who hate it and think it's stereotyping and things like that, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of those people who would say, you know, hey, it's it, it's already, you know, gone past when it was great. You know, it's it's jumped the shark, if you will. Um, and to be fair, 12 seasons and 279 episodes is a pretty damn good run for uh, a, a primetime television show. You know, that's nothing to sniff at. So the fact that it, the fact that it made it that far is, is impressive. You know, uh, that's 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 great. So everybody, they should be they should be proud of 12, 12 damn seasons, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. OK. So, all right, what do we have after the Big Bang Theory? A little, a little good news uh, in the television world, you know. Um, this is HBO. Uh, Armando Iannucci has a new series uh, uh, being ordered on HBO, and Armando Iannucci is the guy behind the TV show Veep on HBO already. Now, um, have you ever watched Veep? I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I like that show a lot. I have not. So Veep is set in the West Wing, you know, of the White House, and it stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus and, um, you know, the guy who played Buster on Arrested Development. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, lots of different character actors uh, have been on there, uh, have roles on the show. Um, and in uh, a recent season, uh, so season four of Veep, uh, U.S. Senator Tom James was played by Hugh Laurie from, you know, House fame. And uh, Armando Iannucci has a, a new comedy pilot 
for HBO, and they've cast Hugh Laurie in the lead role for said show. And it sounds really interesting to me, actually. And I, I enjoy Hugh Laurie in comedy. And that's not something that, you know, a lot of Americans or even uh, ha- have seen him do a lot of because he's most famous here for playing House, you know, for like eight seasons on 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 television. And he was that was not a very comedic character. If any, you know, if there was any comedy, it was really dark comedy. And uh, but uh, as a British actor, uh, you know, he's he's been in a lot of comedy and a lot of comedy that I really enjoyed because I I'm I'm a huge British comedy fan, you know, shows like uh, The Black Adder and Red Dwarf and things like that. So um, I always enjoy seeing him in something where he gets to 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 play a, a comedic role. And, and that's kind of what he did on Veep, even though Veep is a very dry comedy, which uh, is 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 good for him as a as a British comedian. So um, this new project on HBO is is called Avenue 5, and it's described as a comedy set in the future, mostly in space. And Laurie will play Ryan Clark, the charming and in-control captain of Avenue 5. Uh, so it doesn't really give a whole lot of other details outside of that. Um it says the role reunites Ianucci with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hugh Laurie, who had appeared in season four of Veep. Um, let's see. And yeah, that's, that's, there's really not a whole lot of details on what Avenue 5 is going to be. They also cast another uh, actress. I saw uh, Susie Nakamura had also been cast as like the, uh, you know, the uh, support in, in a supporting role. Uh, alongside Hugh Laurie. So, but just the idea of a sci-fi space comedy uh, on HBO with Hugh Laurie is just incredibly intriguing to me. So this is something I will absolutely be waiting for. And the fact that the guy, Armando Iannucci, you know, he has the, you know, like at least with Veep, you know, it's it's very politically skewering, you know. And so – and I can only imagine um, that this show – because it sounds like it's uh, almost like a like a corporate kind of deal, uh, like a corporation, this Avenue 5. Um, so uh, it sounds like he might be, you know, like skewering – uh, you know, the like big business and things like that uh, set in space in the future. Like it just it all sounds pretty cool to me. What What's your take? I absolutely like you said, I love Hugh Laurie in comedy. He's hilarious. Um, I yeah, I, I watched Chance when it was on Hulu. Um, I just I love Hugh Laurie as an actor. He's fantastic. Yeah, he he's really good. A, a, a really good range. I I am totally psyched about this. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I said, I don't know anything about um, Veep or, you know, Armando, what did you say his last name? Lanucci? Ianucci. 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 That's an yeah. I. I see. Um, I don't know much of his other work, but man, anybody who's yeah, willing to put Hugh Laurie in comedy and it be a sci-fi show, that's going to be freaking cool. Right, right. Uh, and maybe it's just because like when you say sci-fi comedy, like the first thing that pops into my head is like Red Dwarf. And so <laughs> exactly. I think like, oh, my God, you're going to make a sci-fi comedy and it's going to have, you know, Hugh Laurie in it, uh, you know, like a British comedy legend almost like this is this is going to be fantastic. This could be fantastic. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I hope this is uh, I hope this is going to be a, a hit for HBO. That's awesome. And it's uh, HBO, right. so that's going to be even cooler. 
Right, right. Which means that, that they can basically do whatever they want. You know, uh, anytime you see a show like that, you know, on HBO uh, or or even the streaming services nowadays, you know, uh, you know that they can get away with any, anything. So there's not the rules that they're constricted to on on primetime television or even tech, you know, even like a basic cable. All right. And uh, speaking of the streaming services, uh, yet another television streaming service that we've talked about a couple times recently is uh, Apple's new uh, streaming service or whether it's existed previously or not. I don't know because I don't give a damn about Apple. But uh, I know we talked recently about something. I don't remember what it was in the, either the last episode or the episode before that. They had ordered something that sounded, you know, intriguing or purchased the rights to it. That might have been some comic book based uh, uh, television series. And now they've placed an order for something uh, that's received a, a 10 episode straight to series order. So this isn't even going through pilot. This is 10 episodes straight to series order. And they've tapped a, a, a sci-fi classic, uh, not only a classic author, but a, a classic uh, uh, story in Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy. Now, I have never read the foundation trilogy. I'm, I'm, I'm well acquainted with Isaac Asimov. You know, I've read plenty of his, uh, a lot of his short stories and things like that in the past, but I don't know this one. Um, apparently it's a, it's a very, uh, well-known, uh, trilogy written by Asimov about a galactic empire. Uh, uh the foundation, uh, it's the it chronicles, the thousand year saga of the foundation, a band of exiles who discover that the only way to save the galactic empire from destruction is to defy it. Uh, that's the tagline that they give here. Um, apparently it's been, you know, the... I don't know the basis for a lot of you know our modern sci-fi. They they specifically cite Star Wars and some of the stuff that I've I've read. Um, you know, obviously he calls it the Empire. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it uh, apparently is about you know uh, uh, humans scattered across numerous worlds all uh, all all uh, through the galaxy, uh, and 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 um, you know dealing with the oppression of the galactic empire so uh it might be you know cited as inspiration for a lot of the science fiction that we are familiar with so there apparently have been several attempts in the past to turn this into television series and movies and things like that but uh apple has decided to go with a television series uh like i said 10 10 episodes straight to series uh, Let's see. It says uh, it says the trilogy had been adapted numerous times as a feature film at Fox, Warner Brothers, and Sony. Uh, many top sci-fi writers have done scripts and found it daunting to constrict the sprawling saga to a feature film format. And most recently, HBO tried developing a series several years ago. So uh, the guys behind this. Uh, Goyer, uh, I didn't read their names earlier, so I don't have what's his first name. Um, David S. Goyer and Josh Friedman. So Goyer's credits include co-writing the upcoming Terminator reboot, as well as the Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Ghost Rider, and the Blade franchises, and Sci-Fi's Krypton series. 
while Friedman's credits include Avatar 2, The War of the Worlds remake, and Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. So uh, a pretty decent a pretty decent pedigree. I mean, there's some things in there that are a little questionable. Uh, Avatar 2. Well, we don't really know Avatar 2 yet. The War of the Worlds remake? Mm, I don't know about that. Um, you know, but uh, the other guy, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight. Ghost Rider. I question that one, uh, but uh, uh, you know, uh, it sounds like uh, it sounds like there's a decent pedigree behind it. Uh, so, um, I don't know. It, it sounds like an interesting show. Uh, it sounds like something I would find, uh, um, you know, worthy of a view. If not for the fact that it was on an Apple streaming service that I can't imagine ever purchasing or you know, subscribing to. So what about, what about you? Do you already have this service? Do you know? Uh, well, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not really, is it a service you subscribe to or do you just like, it would just, you just like buy it from the play store. Is that how this works? You would buy it from the Apple store, the iTunes store, basically. Yeah. Uh, they don't typically do uh, subscriptions for Apple stuff. You just, Uh, I mean, I don't like that at all. You could subscribe to a show for one right. price, and then you get all the episodes of that show, or you can buy the single episodes and stuff, or you can just wait till the season's done, buy the whole season, unless they put it all out at once, that kind of thing. Um, I don't buy a lot on Apple TV, you know, the store, but I mean, I don't know. If something's like really good or gets really great reviews, sometimes I'll make that jump. But it's very seldom because I I just you know you you pay so much for streaming services monthly you hate to buy something a la carte for right. almost as much as you pay for the streaming services so it would have to be really good for me to do, I you know get really good reviews and everything um, I do like I uh, I I like um, Asimov all of his stuff I, I love the books I haven't read these books. But I have read. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this one. Yeah, so I mean, I like his writing style. Maybe I don't know. I'm really not sure. It just really depends on what people think when it comes out, because it is it does have that price barrier to entry, you know. So. Okay, so uh, moving on from one, you know, uh, content providing streaming service to another even more obscure uh, content providing streaming service. The final TV story we have for you today is in regards to the DC Universe streaming video on demand. Uh, So that will launch this fall. And the newest announcement is that the DC Universe service was is getting a daily news show focused on all things DC. And actually, we are recording this on August 26th, Sunday morning, and uh, the DC Daily, which is what they're calling this show, will kick off on August 29th. So that will be Wednesday for everyone. Uh, the The show kicks off August 29th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time, live stream. And 4.30 p.m. would be, what, 6.30 p.m. here uh, in St. Louis, Central Time, uh, 7.30 Eastern. And the daily will kick off 
August 29th, live stream hosted by who other than Kevin Smith. He will introduce viewers to the show's format, sets, and exclusive content and provide an in-depth look at the DC Universe service. So uh, what the DC Daily is supposedly going to be is a show hosted by a variety of faces familiar familiar to DC fans. It will offer an added depth of news content that ties back to the original series, comics, and community on the new service. The format is scheduled to include headlines. Uh, a down of daily news briefs, reports, a single segment that might feature an in-depth interview or deep dive into an upcoming book, film, or series, and talk, a panel discussion including analysis about the day's big topics and news. Special guests and other co-hosts will also join the daily cast. So it sounds pretty cool. Uh, the kickoff show is going to be hosted by Kevin Smith. I guess my only question here is like, does the DC universe really have enough news and information and content to have a daily news show centered around it? Um, the answer to that question is no. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a pretty given. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe background stuff. I, I mean, if Marvel did something like this, I'd be like, okay, you've got, you know, a decade's worth of the universe's movies to, uh, you know, like dive deeply into and talk about fan theories and, you know, this and that and the other thing. Whereas, like, once again, DC seems to be like putting the cart ahead of the horse, if I can use, you know, like a stupid old colloquialism. Uh, like, all of your stuff has essentially been like one step above garbage or just a dumpster fire. <laughs> and now you want to have a daily news service to talk about it. Like, I don't even know. I mean, you, this is, this is ambitious in, in, in my opinion. Go so home, DC, you're drunk. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's cool. And I'm, it's, happy to see kevin smith you know heavily involved uh, you know anytime you know i love it i'll watch anything that he hosts almost so uh you know it'll be entertaining i'm sure uh, i just don't know if it's something they can keep up you know what i mean yeah i i don't know man uh, i'm with you i don't think they have enough news to make it engaging at all uh, maybe DC knows something we don't. Maybe they have something in the pipeline that'll make it more interesting. But I don't know. I I mean, and this, like I said, this is on their streaming service. Does it? Sh it doesn't say a price for it. So I wonder. No, it doesn't. So I don't know. And 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 I'm assuming because the streaming service it says doesn't even launch until the fall. So I can only imagine that this daily, uh, this daily, that especially that's debuting on Wednesday, that uh, you know it's got to be free. I would assume you know to live stream and watch or whatnot. I would almost view it as like a kind of like a teaser trying to get people you know to maybe subscribe to the service once it does debut. DC Universe. This comes from Business Insider. Um, Let's see, DC Universe streaming service will cost $75 a year, and you can pre-order it now. So, yeah, I don't know if you have to have already pre-ordered it in order to view the uh, kickoff on Wednesday or not. I don't know. Um, let's see here. Uh, service will cost $74.99 a year with an option to pay 
seven ninety nine a month once the service is fully launched. Um, service will offer original programs as well as other DC movies and TV shows, including first two seasons of Batman the Animated Series. And it will also offer a library of thousands of digital comic books. I don't know, man. I don't need another. <laughs> I don't need another very specific streaming service. God damn it! I just want one. I want the streaming service. That's what I want. I just want it to be called the. No, I want it to be called the fucking streaming service. God damn it! That's it. <laughs> what do you subscribe to? You on Netflix? You on Hulu? No, I got the fucking streaming service. That's what I got. I got all that shit. I'm so tired of everybody deciding they need to have their own streaming service. <sighs> I'm looking at you too, Disney. Sorry. That just really pisses me off. <laughs> uh, anyway, you may continue. <laughs> no, that's it. That's all we've got okay. for TV. All so right. <laughs> you can finish with your rant. <laughs> uh, sorry. Can't help it. That just. Mm. All right. Well, and I'm getting all uh, tech news. Yeah, like you're going to get any less angry now. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Uh, the this text, is like your best friend here. The text section is pretty much just one pissed off story after the other. This guy's dumb face isn't going to make us any more happy. All right. So, um, Edge at Pie, um, you know, as I always say, the uh, president of the Big and Tall Tooth Club. And man with the most punchable face in the world. Well, he's in some more hot water. Go freaking figure. <clears throat> so remember back when they uh, they put out the you know the whole big news story that they were going to uh, try to get rid of net neutrality rules and all this, and then they opened up their site to public comment. And the site subsequently went just completely down to a pile of crap. <clears throat> because everyone in a, with a <laughs> internet connection was trying to tell them that it's a stupid idea uh-huh. what you're trying to do. Yeah. So their their immediate response was, oh, that's a cyber attack. We just got DDoSed, you know. Um, so <laughs> the, and. Now, it, for those of you who don't know what the term DDoS means, it's a distributed denial of service attack. Basically, it means that um, you get a bunch of computers to ping a website all at once, and it overwhelms the website's connection. It can't answer all the pings at once, so you start getting denial of service uh, messages coming from the website. Uh, you do that enough, you can take a website down and crash it. Uh, this also happens... Like Sean said, when you open up a public forum about a rule that everyone thinks is stupid, it's not a DDoS. It's the fact that your site can't handle the traffic from the public outcry that wants to tell you that you're dumb and you got big teeth. (laughs) Probably more the first one. But I'm I'm sure there were some comments in there about your teeth. So, uh, basically... Congress has, uh, you know, gotten their fingers into this. And back when they, uh, back when this all started, you know, they were saying, oh, DDoS, cyber attack, bad actors, blah, blah, blah. And, but they had no evidence. None whatsoever. No evidence that this is actually a DDoS attack. And everybody in the tech community was like, you are full of shit. There, there's no way. I mean, that's obviously just that your website couldn't handle the traffic. 
Okay. Well, <clears throat> Ajat Pai is now being accused of making false statements to the public and Congress since uh, he continuously said that this was a cyber attack. And now, you know, investigations are kind of turning up that maybe it wasn't. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find the quote. Uh, this comes from TechCrunch. And uh, <laughs> this is great. Given the significant public, media, public, and congressional attention this alleged cyber attack received for over a year, it is hard to believe that the release of the IG's report, uh, that is the uh, investigator, I uh, forget what that's called. Something Inspector like General? Inspector General, that's what it was, Inspector General. Um, it'd be easier if they just put Inspector General in there. Um, the IG's report was first time that you and your staff realized that no cyber attack occurred. This is him talking to uh, Ajit Pai. Such ignorance would signify a dereliction of your duty as the head of F- the FCC, particularly due to the severity of the allegations and the blatant lack of evidence. It is troubling that you would that you allowed the public myth created by the FCC to persist and your ris- misrepresentations to remain uncorrected for over a year. To the extent that you were aware of the misrepresentations prior to the release of the report and failed to correct them. Such actions constitute a wanton disregard for Congress and the American public. Big surprise. We've been saying that since he took office. Trying not to get too political. I'm just saying the guy hasn't been exactly a friend to your average consumer. So Pi is saying that the inspector general requested that the agency keep quiet about the whole investigation while it was going on. That is his only excuse as to why they didn't tell people, oh, well, maybe this wasn't a cyber attack. Why the hell did you say it was a cyber attack in the first place? Keep your lips shut completely. Say the news or no news. We don't want alternative facts, fake news. Uh, Oh, man, fake news. uh, Rudy Giuliani's truth, when the truth is not (laughs) actually the truth. (laughs) I was just saying... Keep your trap shut until you know what's going on. Don't immediately say it was a cyber attack and then expect the American public to have pity on you when we were against you from the very beginning. So, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> basically, the members of Congress wants to want to know um, when Pi's office first became aware that the events of last May were possibly not an attack. Um, <clears throat> day after. Why the FCC's previous <laughs> statements to the public and Congress have not been public publicly amended? Because um, he's that that would that would make him look bad. We can't have that. Uh, what exactly the Inspector General told Pi not to discuss or disclose during the investigation? I'm not sure about that one. We'll have to see. Uh, so the FCC is given two weeks, or until August 28th. Uh, which will be one day from when this day this episode debuts to respond to these and other questions. We coming for you, Edget Pie. The American people are done putting up with bullshit when it comes to our internet. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Own it, man. You made a mistake. Move on. <clears throat> Do you have uh, you got any input 
I'm trying not to get too up in arms about it. I'm trying to slow myself down and not get too pissed off too fast. Oh, I mean, other than he's a big dumb dummy. I mean, this is just it's just stupid. Like this is it is like you can't just this is just it's exactly what's going on just widespread across the entire administration. Like all these people just talk out of their ass without anything to back it up and then, um, you know, think that there are no ramifications for it, you know, and and regardless of whether you feel the opposition lies as well, you know, like to the American people, um, they're doing it better. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how, like all of like politics has changed recently to where like everyone thinks that they can just, just bullshit everyone without even like, uh, an attempt at covering it up. You know, uh, I understand, I understand that politics is a sleazy, slimy, dirty, disgusting thing, but like in the past, at least when it was like, when you were lying, you know, like, it was hard to prove, you know, uh, and 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 now these these idiots just feel like they can just talk out of their ass constantly and no one's going to call them out on it uh, or they'll, they'll just get away with it. They think it was that easy in the past when in reality, these guys that came before them were just a whole lot better at this than they are. And uh, and 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 people like Pi here don't even have a, a, a clue what they're doing. Yeah. So I can't wait to see how this one goes. <laughs> I'm like I'm like over in the corner rubbing my hands together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, let's see here. Um so another thing uh Pi has lost recently, Ajet Pi. Um he tried to, you know, I mean, we're famous for the white man taking the land from the Indians. You know, uh, we kind of <laughs> kind of pulled that rug right out from under him. Uh, if you know your history well enough, well, Pi wanted to take their internet too. <laughs> so, basically, in tribal areas, okay. For I, I believe this is most of the United States, if not all of it, there is a subsidy that will allow people below a certain poverty line to get. A discount on their internet service is basically to allow, you know, allow everyone to have a chance to get some form of broadband internet service. In tribal areas, this actually had another subsidy on top of it, um, and it it was basically like twenty. I've seen in this uh, article from Mars Technica says twenty five dollars a month uh, that will reduce the cost of internet or phone system uh, phone service for poor people. And, you know, like like I said, in these tribal lands, um, the FCC was trying to basically take that subsidy away. And, I mean, they were going to leave the, the smaller subsidy in place, you know, because that's all they need, right? <laughs> and But, you know, it would take the largest part of it away. So... Uh, let's see here. It says here the FCC's November 2017 vote would have eliminated the $25 su- uh, subsidy entirely for twi- tribal residents who live in urban areas, leaving them with just the basic $9.25, that's $9.25 per month lifeline subsidy. Uh, the FCC claimed that the extra $25 subsidy isn't required to make service affordable in urban settings. Bullshit. Any, any, if you, if you're low, if you're low enough on the poverty line that you need 
this lifeline subsidy, anything helps. I mean, you know, when you're when you're that far, is it broadband or is it food? You know, I you can't make that kind of a distinction. And nowadays, you know, I'm one of the the big proponents that uh, you know, broadband access is a civil right. It's a human necessity at this point in time in our in our uh, in our society. If you don't have it, I mean, you're left out of so many things. Kids. You know, kids can't learn effectively without access to the internet. Granted, some of the internet stuff is not necessary, but the internet in general is. So, you know, this was this was going to be ridiculous if they actually made it. Um, but the courts, the U.S. Appeals Court, has blocked the FCC from doing this. So, I just I think. It was um, the the main reason since the story it happened and then it didn't happen that kind of thing. To me, I needed we needed to talk about it in simply the fact that it needs to be brought to light what the FCC is trying to do in general because you know this kind of thing will fly under the radar very very easily. And anytime I can talk about the uh, Ajit Pai's FCC losing a battle, it brightens my day a little. You know. It's like that little it's like that little cat hanging on the rope that says hang in there the poster that everyone has in their office. <laughs> Do you have uh, you have any kind of uh input on this? <clears throat> uh I don't know, I'm reading the details down below. It says that uh the the FCC's November 2017 vote would have eliminated the $25 subsidy entirely for tribal residents who live in urban areas, Mm -hmm. leaving them with just a basic $9.25 per month subsidy. Uh, They claim that the extra $25 subsidy isn't required to make service affordable in urban settings. Uh, Okay, so that one, I feel like that aspect of it is a little more complicated uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't know about that. Like that, that kind of makes more sense to me because, you know, when I think of like the tribal areas and whatnot, I'm thinking of like, you know, much more rural, you know, uh, 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 places and things like that. And it says here that in rural areas, the vote would have barred tribal residents from using the $25 subsidy to buy telecom service from resellers. Uh, because most Lifeline users buy from resellers instead of carriers that build and operate their own networks. This move would have dramatically limited rural tribal residents' options for purchasing subsidized service. Resellers are often the primary providers of Lifeline service in tribal lands and are sometimes the only providers in those areas. So I get all of that. Like that sounds like, yeah, that just sounds like the FCC is trying to direct profits to their buddies. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I'm cool with that, you know, or, or stopping them from, from ending that, uh, but the whole like uh, urban subsidy, I'm not, I don't know. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to learn more about that before having a real opinion. Okay. And, um, the FCC chairman has proposed also kicking resellers out of the lifeline program completely. Throughout the Which apparently US. would be uh, catastrophic from what you know we're reading in two paragraphs before that. Well, yeah, and if you do something like that, I mean, you are limiting competition. 
in in my mind because if you you know that limits the people who need that lifeline subsidy to only the main carriers as opposed to the resellers so i mean that's anti-competitive in my mind completely so. um let's see here oh and this is funny uh pi claims that his top priority as fcc chairman is quote closing the digital divide and bringing the benefits of the internet age to all Americans. Um, these words, I don't think they mean what you think they mean. <laughs> because this kind of a vote would do the exact opposite. You know? I mean, so Lifeline has more than 12 million subscribers. Um, I mean, that's a lot of people that this... I mean, it's not, you know... Poverty is a problem, and we've got to try to help out the best we can. I mean, granted, you know, people got to work for things, but still, like I said, internet, you need it in today's world. You just do. So it should be a basic thing. Um, Pied claimed that limiting the use of subsidies to buy service from resellers will encourage carriers to build their own networks. Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> I mean, there's not... There's nothing except for dollar, except for dollar dollar bills, y'all. That's gonna make the carriers build out their own networks, and even then, they're only gonna build them out the minute amount necessary to make the most profit. I don't know if he drinks his own Kool Aid, or if he, I wonder if he actually believes some of the things he says, or if he's been so indoctrinated by his you know, carrier ISP lobbyists that he actually believes what they're telling. I'm, I don't know. Like sometimes a guy speaks and I just think to myself, you know, you, you've, I mean, you, you can't honestly think that's true. <laughs> what, what is the line, um, uh, from, oh, it's a, it's a gift that I always find. Uh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay, here it is. Yeah, that's the dumbest answer I've ever heard. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered <laughs> a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for him. <laughs> I award Billy you no Madison, points, right? And may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is how I feel every time Pi takes the stand and starts talking about something. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good movie. All right. Um. So another one. God, it's all full of broadband FCC bullshit today <sighs> i asked this is from ars technica and i absolutely love this headline um john brodkin thank you good job isps say they can't expand broadband unless government gives them more money <laughs> all right so you know the broadband companies uh, the whole fcc you know net neutrality all this stuff um, they've been fighting for a long time saying that they 
shouldn't be under the same regulations as basic utilities. Uh, that they are a different situation altogether. They shouldn't be treated like utilities. Um, uh, but now, and this is from the article directly, it says, but now broadband lobby groups are arguing that internet service is similar to utilities such as electric, gas, roads, and water and sewer. Uh, in provider's view, the essential nature of broadband doesn't require more regulation to protect consumers. Instead, they argue that broadband's utility-like status is reason for the government to give ISPs more money. What? What? <laughs> so basically, they want to be paid and treated like a utility except for when it regulates them. You cannot have your cake and wank off in the corner, too. That is not the way it fucking works. You are either a utility and you get money from the government, or you are not. You get to do what you want, but goddammit, you make your own money. I mean, this is not... this. I don't know. This does not seem like normal... I mean, I guess it's normal capitalistic behavior for a large company, maybe, but... I mean, this uh, this can't uh, people in the government can't honestly think <laughs> that this is okay. They, can't, I mean, do I need to play the Billy Madison clip again? <laughs> I don't get it. What What do you What do you think about this? I think it's absurd. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, uh, let's see here. Uh, bu- 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 here we go. Uh, while ISPs want the benefits of being treated like utilities, such as poll attachment rights and access to public rights of way, they oppose traditional utility-style obligations, such as regulated prices and deployment to all Americans. Because if they were a utility, they'd have to make sure that they covered all possible Americans. Uh, their prices would be regulated by the government, things like that. They'd have a lot more government regulation that they don't want and have been fighting to get rid of. Uh, they just got rid of net neutrality. That's one of the things they were really wanting to get rid of. One of the regulations that was quote-unquote hampering their expansion. Uh, number one, they haven't freaking expanded anywhere. Um, who was it? Uh, was it uh, Charter got, is like looking down the barrel of getting kicked out of New York State because they didn't freaking expand. So... You can either be called a utility and get the money and get all the perks, or you and you have to take the regulation with it, or you don't. You, you can't do both. I mean, I just don't understand how. I mean, I I get that it's probably money for the most part that the ISPs use to get their way, but geez, how does this stuff get through? Mm. I just <sighs> uh, anyway uh, so do you have anything to oh look there's a twi- there's a, uh, a comment here that actually is pretty good um, T Havoc on ours says huh imagine that they want to be a utility except for when it comes to regulations sorry assholes you can't have it both ways Time to be regulated like water and electricity. Never going to happen, T-Havoc, but it would, it may be nice. I don't know, because that harkens back to, I don't necessarily want the government to regulate broadband. Um, 
we don't want all the government regulations on the internet because that's a dangerous and slippery slope. But regulating price and availability to all Americans and things like that would be nice. But then, you know, it's the same situation, only on the other side. We can't treat them like a utility, but then want them to do things, you know, not regulate them like a utility, like a utility, like the electricity or anything like that would be regulated. So I'm almost wondering if we need to come up with a new class of utility to um, categorize them in and set up new rules and new regulations in order, you know, because a lot of the utility rules and regulations date back to, I mean, God, when it was tele, you know, telegraph poles and just starting to put lights in houses for shit's sake. Sure, but at the same time, like, don't you think that's kind of what they want? Because they want you to come up with a new classification so they can get everything they want. That's true. You come up with a new classification, and then all they're going to end up getting is, you know, all of the benefits and none of the responsibility. That is very true. That's a good point. I. I concede to you, sir. That is a that is a good a good point there. Um, yeah, so I don't know how to solve this problem, but this sure as shit is not the way. <laughs> I mean, no, no, you can't have any more money. I'm going to take the stance of the angry stepfather whose kid has wasted his life away on drugs. No, get the fuck out of my house. You're not getting any more money, and leave the keys of the car and your cell phone. I pay for that too. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Anyway, uh, so T-Mobile, my dear, dear T-Mobile, uh, has gotten uh, gotten hacked. Uh, two million customer records may have been leaked. Uh, they are saying passwords are safe. Credit card numbers, social security numbers, that kind of stuff, safe. That wasn't stolen. Data that was accessed uh, is things like name. Billing zip code, phone number, email address, account number, and account type. You know, prepaid or postpaid. Uh, these are not... Um, I don't know. I, I, They're important, obviously, but they're not your password, your social security number, that kind of stuff. So at least the big stuff didn't get leaked. But still a leak, still a problem. Um, it's... Basically, I put this in here as a PSA. You know, if you're a T-Mobile customer or have a T-Mobile account, go change your password just in case. I it's simple. You know, it's cheap, it's free. Change your password. Uh, you guys should probably be changing your passwords every couple months anyway. Um, you know, use a password manager like LastPass to remind you when to change them. Make it easy to change, easy to remember. Don't use the same password on every single site. That kind of stuff. PSA over. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, so this, you know, just another leak. What can you do, I guess? I mean, how many times can they leak my information? My information hasn't changed. (laughs) 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 If you get my information from, like, five different leaks over the last couple of years, it really hasn't changed. (laughs) You could have saved yourself the trouble. (laughs) So, I basically, what I see this as being is just we're going to get some more scam calls now. You know, scam calls, junk mail, that kind of crap. Um, oh, well. So, yeah. Go change your T-Mobile password. All right. I, I really was hitting it out of the park with these uh, show note headlines today, by the way. I just I want that to be known. <laughs> so, like, in this one, 
in case you guys don't read the show notes, which you should because they're great. They're fantastic, let me tell you. Uh, I said the, the headline was burning through mobile data like wildfire. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> All right. So earlier this week, and this comes from The Verge, um, Ashley Carmen, uh, it was revealed that Verizon was throttling emergency firefighters' data connections while they were battling the, I'm going to butcher that name, Mendocino? Uh, sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks right. Uh, in California, the wildfires that are going on, you know, because California is pretty much perpetually on fire nowadays. Um, <laughs> so they were using, um, you know, they were using their phones, obviously, for uh, either communication or you know, information, stuff like that. And obviously, if you're in the field, you're going to be using a lot of data. Well, once you reach 25 gigs, you get throttled. Um, so their speeds were throttled to one two hundredth or less of their original speeds, which is ridiculous. <laughs> you basically can't do it. It's get one two hundredth. Yeah, you can't do anything on that. I mean, that basically takes it from that uh, takes it down to like probably around two hundred kilobyte kilobits a second, which is, I mean, unusable for today's websites. Um. So, you know, this was obviously a problem. Uh, it was preventing first responders from doing their jobs. Verizon um, says that it'll ensure this this never happens again. No, I bet they will. It reminds me of the uh, South Park uh, oil spill video. I'm sorry. We're sorry. Yeah. You're sorry you got caught. Not that you actually did it. If you hadn't got caught, you would have keep kept doing it because you've been doing it for so long. That, you know how many times has this happened, and we nobody just reported it. You know, uh, the company has since removed all speed cap restrictions for first responders on the West Coast and in Hawaii, with a plan to continue doing so in future disasters. During disasters, just, just remove the caps. Just remove them completely. If not for, for just first responders, for freaking everybody. It's artificial data capping anyway. It doesn't, it has no purpose. Um, so let's see here. This time, it does say this time around, Verizon required California firefighters to upgrade their plan before receiving better access. Um, no, that's dumb. Uh, the firefighters had an unlimited plan, but had their speeds throttled to one two hundredth or less after reaching twenty five gigabytes of use. Twenty five gigs. That's I mean that's not that much data. I, mean, I guess it is for some people, but <clears throat> I don't remember what my last uh, my last usage was here. I'll let that load up. Uh, let's see here. The uh, Santa Clara. County Fire Marshal Anthony Bowden wrote that uh, this had a significant impact on our ability to provide emergency services. I wonder if any of the other uh, carriers would have made this mistake. You know, like we hear about Verizon doing it, but is it just because Verizon is the one that most of these guys use, or like all of them use? Or I mean, eh. because all the carriers have this kind of a soft limit. 
you know, where they throttle you. I think T-Mobile's is like 55 gigabytes. Verizon's is obviously 25. I think AT&T's is somewhere in the 30s, maybe. I don't remember exactly. But, you know, I mean, do you have any you have any kind of input? Oh, I mean, I don't know how you would, uh, like, we've always talked about the throttling and how it's kind of BS to begin with. But in this case, like, there needs to be some way to make sure that important people like that don't have their shit throttled. You know what I mean? I don't know how you implement something like that, but there definitely needs to be a workaround. You know, there needs to be a special rate plan that these kind of guys get put on or something. So regardless of their data usage, it doesn't get throttled when they're trying to save people's freaking lives or their homes or whatever. Uh, You know, I think any reasonable individual would agree with that. I agree. Okay. Well, let's see here. T-Mobile, you're not making it very easy for me to get my data usage here. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> okay, so in the last um, less than 10 days, I'm at 9 gigabytes of usage. I'm half. I'm almost halfway to their 25 in 10 days. 10 out of a 30-day billing cycle. Come on, Verizon. Don't be stupid. All right. That's another case of a company doing something shitty until they get caught. Surprise, surprise. All right. I'm getting out of the tech section before I have a fucking coronary. And now time for movie news. My head hurts now. Jesus. So... Um, I put this in here. I didn't actually read most of it. (laughs) (laughs) I pulled a Sean on this article. Um, But uh, The Verge is reporting that Disney and Marvel have put Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 production on hold. I don't know how far they were into it. Um, See here. It's it's, uh, basically... They're saying that, uh, let's see, as crew members who were prepping for uh, pre-production in the fall have been told, they're free to take other work. That's a problem. I mean, it is a crew. So crew, I guess, is relatively replaceable. You know, I mean, if you're a gaffer on one movie, you could be a gaffer on pretty much any movie. But still, uh, that's... THR, uh, I don't know who that is, Hollywood Reporter. (laughs) <laughs> sources describe the movie or the move as temporary designed more as a regrouping for Disney and Marvel. Um, Disney is reportedly keeping James Gunn on as a writer to use his script, but has been scouting around for a new director. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, obviously this is a big enough movie. This is not something to really technically be worried about. I mean, this movie will happen. You know, uh, there's too much tied up into it to not let it happen. But this just means it might not happen when we expected it to happen. Uh, the release date might be a little farther in the future. It'd be nice if they could come up with a way to let James Gunn direct it for God's sake. But I don't know. There was a giant uh, petition going around to let him direct it. But I mean, you know, Disney doesn't have to listen to a freaking petition. So sure. Uh, what do you have any kind of thoughts on this at all? Or 
Uh, I mean, I think it sounds to me like they are, I don't know. I would hope because the, the cast all came out and, you know, just stood behind James Gunn, uh, you know, every single one of them, essentially. Um, I would hope this is almost kind of a way to stall things for a little while. And like they said, regroup or whatnot, and possibly even put him back in in control eventually. Um, maybe if they just let things die down long enough, they can, they can put him back, you know, in as director. But if not, then, I mean, clearly it's just, they just need to, they're stalling for time to find a new one, you know? Um, I don't know. I think it's shitty what's going on all over the place with this kind of stuff, you know, cause it's not just him. It's, you know, uh, major league baseball players, professional athletes, you know, outside of baseball, uh, you know, uh, everyone that has ever tweeted anything, you know, is, is having their, their accounts and everything dug through and anything stupid they ever said brought to light. And, you know, that's what the internet is. So that's why I don't like using any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it has been a little ridiculous us going back and um I don't know. I mean past again, we had this conversation about it when it happened, but some of the past should be the past. Uh obviously not all of it, but you know, some of it. Oh well. All right. Uh let's see here. So that that one um, you put this one in. I'll try to clue in whenever possible. Oh, yeah. I forgot that I was the one. I mean, I really uh, <laughs> doesn't uh, affect me in any way, but we seem to have been following the uh, struggles of MoviePass for quite some time now. And uh, I just uh, noticed before the show that uh, I had a... A, a news alert from Google letting me know that once again there had been changes to the MoviePass subscriptions. And uh, I, I immediately wondered whether this affected uh, you. So the latest uh, change that MoviePass has implemented is that the MoviePass Unlimited plan, uh, I guess that's the annual uh, subscription, uh, has been canceled. Uh, there is no keeping it. And everyone is being forcefully moved to the new terms of service as of the next billing cycle. Um, so the email, I guess here is what it said, uh, as of today, aligned with section 2.4 of our terms of use, your annual subscription plan will now allow you to see three movies a month instead of the previous unlimited offering. And you'll receive up to a $5 discount on any additional movie tickets purchased. This is the current standard plan now in effect for all current and new subscribers. Unless you choose to cancel your subscription prematurely, your plan will continue within these guidelines through the end of your annual contract. Uh, you only have until August 31st, uh, to get your money back in the form of a prorated refund. If you do not want to continue with the new plan and let's see, it says, and just to make things more ridiculous, movie pass is preying on your FOMO. I don't even know what FOMO is. Fear of missing uh, out. Uh, FOMO by saying that if you do take the refund, you won't be able to sign up for MoviePass again for nine months. Oh, man, we're going to punish you for canceling. Uh, so, 
that's the deal. Uh, otherwise, MoviePass says it'll put your annual subscription fee towards the monthly plan, so you won't need to pay until it expires. And what they don't mention in this uh, article, well, not from what how far you've gotten with it here, um, and I have actually, full disclosure, I have canceled my MoviePass subscription. Um, because I, when it, when it came out, it was fantastic. It was amazing. I used the living credit out of it. I'm probably one of the people that put him out of business to be completely honest. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but three movies a month with discounts on other movie tickets is still a good deal, uh, for $10 a month. It really is. Uh, I was perfectly fine with that. The, when they decided to stop allowing you to see one movie more than once. That was a problem for me, but it wasn't necessarily a deal breaker. When they took it down to three movies a month, plus discounts on other movie tickets, a problem, not a deal breaker. What was a deal breaker is what they don't mention in this article, whereas they basically put it used to it was every movie, every showing you could go see. They have now since limited that to a uh, a set of six movies chosen by them and a set of times available for those movies. Cho- again, chosen by MoviePass. And that that is not... Um, they say that the movies available will be released every week, so the list will change every week. Um, when they originally came out, they said it would change every day, and that was a huge problem. That was deal-breaker. But... <clears throat> Being limited to the the movies that you get to go see, MoviePass dictating what movies get their business and what movies don't? Uh, no, that's ridiculous. There are alternatives to MoviePass that make that unnecessary. So, um, I was uh, I was doing a little bit of looking, and you know, like I said, since I have since canceled my MoviePass subscription. And the whole nine month thing that that's actually been around since since I joined. It was always said that if you cancel your subscription, you can't come back for nine months. But I'm done with them. You know, totally done. I'm through with this roller coaster ride. They don't need my ten dollars. <laughs> so I'm through with this roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, and I've got. A, there are two options that I've found that are comparable to Movie Pass. One of them much better than the other. Um, if you go to let's see, if you need uh, if you got an uh, an AMC theater in your area or you go to AMC theaters in general, the they have a new uh, a service called Stubbs A List, and it's twenty dollars a month, but you get three movies a week, any movie anytime, plus. IMAX, Dolby Cinema, Real 3D, and Digital. Like, any movie. Any movie in an AMC theater. You get to th- see three of them a week. That's 12 movies a month. I mean, that's that's more than most people are going to use. Um, and that's $20 a month. But it's only at AMC theaters. You know, so that, there's that. Um, you also get 10% off their food and drink which is nice. Uh, free online reservations, which is something MoviePass has never done. So if you go to AMC Theaters, check out Stubbs A-List. It's more per month, but you get more than MoviePass is allowing you to have right now. Uh, if you don't have AMC Theaters near you, like me, uh, my nearest AMC Theater is like an hour away. 
The other one that I found is called Cinemia, and we've talked about them before on the podcast. They have actually changed a little bit of their pricing. Um, it, it's not bad. Uh, it is a little, like, it's probably on par price-wise with MoviePass at this point, but feature-wise, it's got much more. So they have, um, a cla- the classic plan is two movie tickets per month, and it's $8 a month. And I mean, you know, four bucks a movie ticket. That's still a good deal, you know. If uh, if that's the kind of thing you need, uh, they do have an elite plan that allows you to get fifteen dollars a month, and that's three movie tickets to any kind of movie. So IMAX and all that stuff. Um, they're having a summer sale right now, apparently, and these prices won't probably won't hold for very long. But yeah, they'll probably go up a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for alternatives to movie pass pass cinemia if you don't have amc in your area Stubbs a list is fantastic if you do have an amc theater and for god's sake marcus theaters that's the chain that's around us please guys come up with a competitor to Stubbs a list i will be first in line i will be knocking on the marcus theaters ceo's door at like midnight the night it comes out Wanting to sign up, handing him my cash. Please, Marcus, come up with something. I've tweeted them several times, telling them to come up with something to replace Movie Pass. People are tired of paying so much for movie tickets. They just are. <sighs> all right. <clears throat> Is that all you had for that one? Yeah. Okay. LOL, OMG, WTF. I wasn't going to talk about this originally, and then I just, we have to, um, because it's a thing. Uh, I don't want to dwell on it for too long, but it is uh, is fun that uh, (laughs) they they, uh, have a, a gif at the beginning of this article that's really good. So, Logan Paul... And Jake Paul had their boxing matches uh, the other night. Um, Jake versus, I guess that's DJ, which is another YouTuber. And uh, Logan versus KSI, um, another YouTuber. Uh, Apparently, this is how we solve our differences now, is punching each other in the face and charging people to watch it. Uh, Most of the people, I'm sure, that actually, like, watched this... We're more wanting to just watch the Pauls get punched in the face repeatedly. That's uh, really what they were paying for. And they were not disappointed because um, some of the pictures of Jake Paul have him just bleeding everywhere. And it's awesome. He needs, he, yeah, he needs to get punched in the face. Um, so, I uh, go ahead. I can't believe this is a thing. Oh, yeah. YouTubers fighting, dude. That's how it works. This is just... <laughs> I, I guess this is, falls under the what the fuck category. You oh, know, yeah. yeah. Of the L-O-L-O-M-G-W-T-F. Oh, yeah. So, um, let's see here. Jake won his fight by a technical knockout. Basically, the uh, uh, DJ, I guess is how you say his name, uh, his team backed out. Uh, to keep him from getting <clears throat> hurt much more. Uh, Jake, that doesn't mean you actually won. They, it's the reason they call it a technical knockout. Uh, Logan, 
uh, did not necessarily win his fight. They considered it a draw. Um, although he said that afterwards he felt that he won the fight. Uh, and the crowd booed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, what was it? Uh, there's uh, Okay, the two, uh, Logan and KSI, already have a rematch in the works in Los Angeles. Because um, they, you know, got money from this. Why wouldn't you do it again? I mean, it's money. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, I hate these I hate these guys so much. Uh, I hate, well, it's not necessarily them specifically. It's just YouTubers in general or social media pariahs in general that are like this. Um, let's see here. Uh, this comes from Mashable. Regardless of the outcome, the months-long buildup to the event, along with over 780,000 accounts that shelled out over $10 and tuned in, helped line the pockets of the already rich YouTubers. Ay. My God. And this was pirated a lot on Twitch, so way to go. Because they don't need any more money than they already have for the shit show that is their general, I don't know, atmosphere. I, ugh. Anyway, yeah, this is definitely the what the fuck. Okay. So, uh, now, on to... Next. Flicks. Maybe me and you should box, Sean. What do you think about that? Uh, that's way no. That's way more effort. <laughs> way more effort than I'm willing to put into anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, me too. Actually, my face is way too pretty. Uh, let's see. So, what we're going to be covering releases from the 27th all the way to the 7th. Uh, let me pull it up here. All right. So, Friday, August 31st. <clears throat> First one is Ken, Jack Rayner, James Franco, Zoe Kravitz, Dennis Quaid, Miles Truitt. Chased by a vengeful criminal, the feds and a gang of otherworldly soldiers, a recently released ex-con and his adopted younger brother are forced to go on the Next. run. Next. That sounds too complicated yeah, already. Yeah, it really does. It's sci-fi. That's all right. Whatever. It doesn't look that interesting watching it either. This looks weird. Um, <clears throat> the Little Stranger movie. What? Oh. Why would you put movie at the end of that? That doesn't make any sense. Come on, Movie Insider. It's called The Little Stranger. <laughs> um, Domino Gleason, Ruth Wilson, Will Poulter, Darren Kent. The Little Stranger tells the story of Dr. Faraday, the son of a housemaid who was built a life of quiet respectability as a uh, country doctor during the long... Next. Thank you. It doesn't... I mean, it's a horror movie, but it doesn't look interesting, even a little. I heard Faraday, and I thought it might be like, you know, about, Uh like, Faraday. No, it's not. Yeah, no. Nope, 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 nope. Let's see here. Uh, it says nationwide. I better put it in there. Juliet, naked. What? I, I'm intrigued. Megan Dodds, Rose Byrne, Chris O'Dowd, and Ethan Hawke. 
Annie is stuck in a long-term relationship with Duncan, an obsessive fan of obscure rocker Tucker Crow. When the acoustic demo of Trucker's hit record from 25 years ago surfaces, its its release leads to a life-changing encounter with the elusive rocker himself. I don't understand. What? Yeah, I don't... Okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I think... I think... uh, I think Tucker Crow's gonna steal the girl. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. All right. Should have nexted it. Yeah, probably. Uh, Let's see here. This one kind of looks interesting. I'll give it that. Let's see. No, no, no. Wait a minute. It wasn't that one. Limited, limited, limited. Limited, limited. Okay. Lots of, lots of not going to read any of those. All right. So now we are on to, oh, come on, the next September already. Holy cow. Uh, September 7th. Open up. Peppermint. Hmm. Uh, Jennifer Garner, John Ortiz, and Method Man. Oh, well, it's got Method Man. I mean, it can't be bad. Uh, When her husband and daughter are gunned down in a drive-by, the heroine wakes up from a coma and spends years learning to become a lethal killing machine. On the 10th anniversary of her family's death, she targets everyone she holds responsible, the gang that committed the act, the lawyers that got them off, and the corrupt cops that enabled the murderous incidents. This one kind of looked interesting. From the trailer. I yeah, I don't know. I like, yeah. it, I like it when when somebody just trains and becomes really good and just goes and kicks ass. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, I, like, all right. I like revenge movies. I don't know what that says about me, but it was enough to keep my attention during the reading. Yeah, you didn't next it. Good job. All right, I am going to screw up so many of these names. <clears throat> all right, the nun, Ingrid mm. Bisou, uh, Demian Bichir, uh, Bonnie Ahrens, Charlotte Hope. That one was easy. <clears throat> when a young nun at a cloistered abbey in Romania takes her own life. <laughs> Next. <laughs> it's a horror movie. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I saw the trailer for this, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Limited, limited. Okay. I'm just going to pick one limited one and we'll end it there. Yeah, try it. This one. Um, uh, I may have picked wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, next gen. John Krasinski. Ooh. Yeah. David. This guy from the office. Yeah. David Cross. Mike. This is why like I, him. This is why I picked it. Michael Pena. Okay. Jason Sudeikis. Okay. All right. An animated. This sounds hilarious. Yeah. An animated action adventure film about the bittersweet power of memories. It tells the story of an unlikely friendship between a rebellious girl and a runaway combat robot as they unite to stop a madman's plan for technological world domination. I think I saw something about this either online or something. Yeah. yeah it looks all right. It's animated. I'll give an animated movie a try. All those people are hilarious. It's on so. Netflix. Why yeah, not, that's yeah. where I saw it. That's where I saw it. Yeah. If you got Netflix, no reason not to watch it. Yeah, I think I saw it when I was scrolling through last night, actually. Awesome. All right, Sean. What the hell are you up to? 
All right. Well, speaking of Netflix, uh, Matt Groening's new series, uh, Disenchanted, premiered on Netflix. So I watched the uh, first, you know, the first part, as they called it. It was ten episodes. Uh, you know, it's uh, very much a fantasy version of, a, a, you know, like a fantasy Futurama. You know, uh, it's that that style of animation and everything. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting and amusing and. I've I've you know I've I've still watched The Simpsons to this day and and I've always been a fan of Futurama so uh, and as we discussed earlier I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to television series so uh, I enjoyed it watched all ten episodes already you know between Friday and Saturday so it didn't take too long I don't suppose you've uh, I don't suppose you've seen it yet I haven't watched it yet I haven't had time um, did you did you ever watch the uh, oh, what was the one with Cat Denning and John Cena no, no, yeah, I haven't watched that. That that was on YouTube Red, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. That that was a pretty funny show. So, all right. Yeah, because yeah, fuck YouTube Red. I remember. His, right. Uh, right. That I mean, that's that's not verbatim. That's you know, the, I I put I took some liberties with the wording on that one, but I think it was probably pretty close. Yeah, basically. <laughs> all right. So, but I, I've enjoyed it. So I recommend it. You know, if you liked Futurama and you like The Simpsons and whatnot, uh, I I would say absolutely give it a chance because you know I I thought it was entertaining. I do like Futurama. Well, it's not a so, Simpsons fan, but gotcha. Well, and other than that, because I know you wanted to talk about it when I told you about it, <laughs> uh, uh, I. In in my in my uh, uh, my real job, because believe it or not, this podcast does not pay the bills. Uh, <laughs> recently, <laughs> oh. <laughs> re- recently received a promotion, and along with that promotion came a company cell phone. So now I am in possession of an iPhone, whatever, uh, something <laughs> or other. I don't I don't even know I don't even know what it is. It's an iPhone something. Uh, that I really don't know how to use and have not done much with at all uh, since getting it. Uh, you were just uh, highly entertained by the fact that I w- am like now like forced forced into possession uh, of of an Apple iPhone. So there you have it. <laughs> I mean, I was uh, I was pulling out the gifts. That's for sure. Yeah, it was excessive. It was it was literally like seven gifts in a row. <laughs> um, let me see if I can find that conversation real quick. Uh, okay, there you are. Oh, nope, not that one. It was a regular one. Because you texted me from your regular phone and told me you got right. it. Um, okay, yeah. So, let's see. Um, you tell me you've got it. And in order, I do a gif of Marty McFly saying, holy shit. Um. This is uh, Keegan uh, from Key and Peel uh, saying "Holy shit," and then uh, Kristen Bell saying "Holy forking shirt," and then Dan Marino saying "Holy shit," and then Ryan Reynolds saying "Holy shit," and then finally, um, uh, God, what's his name from Jaws? Oh, oh it's the zoom in shot from Jaws when it looks at. Uh, I can't even remember the guy's name now. I that's horrible. Because I like that actor so much. <laughs> Damn you. Let's see here. Roy Schneider. That's it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And then I, I peppered you with three bummers after you told me that wasn't actually your personal phone. 
it's not my personal phone and I don't intend on using it as my personal phone. <laughs> uh, so proud of you having a very much shut, but kind of drafty op- uh, mind, you know, you're not, not quite an open mind. The door's shut, but you know, it's got like a really bad seal underneath of it to where the cold air still seeps in a little bit. How can I even figure out like what kind of iPhone it is? Like, I don't even know. It does. It depends on what it, it looks like, really. <laughs> I mean, there's not. Well, I mean, you can't go into the settings and do it. So if you open up the settings and then go to uh, general and about, it should show you. Okay. The, I think it tells you what version it you have. Says uh, general about. Well, there's about, uh, and then it just says, you know, it's named Sean's iPhone. <laughs> okay, but scroll down. There's a model number there. What's oh, that? there we go. Yeah, MQ nine D two LL slash A. You have an iPhone eight plus. An iPhone eight plus. Apparently. Well, there you go. Yeah. Congratulations! You actually have a newer iPhone than I do. Woohoo! Newer and bigger. Yeah, I know the thing's like the size of my iPad. It's pretty huge. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, good job, Sean. Slow clap. Slow clap. All right. Uh, Let's see. For me, uh, I watched last night until 2 a.m. in the morning because I don't sleep well. Uh, I watched Baywatch because... No, the movie or a TV show? The the movie. Uh, My my sister told me, my sister and my brother-in-law told me it was a fantastic movie. It was funny as can be. So I, I... was like you know when it came out in theaters i wasn't even remotely interested because i wasn't gonna pay to go see it uh i like the rock i like zach efron why not i just it's just something i didn't want to go see and then i forgot about it and then they told me so i download i you know i got i got a good copy of it and um i started watching it and it is freaking hilarious (laughs) i mean it's a stupid. It's a stupid movie for the most part. You get nothing out of it, really. No, no life lessons or anything. But it was really funny. I mean, it was you know. Yeah, it was entertaining. There was dick Absolutely. jokes the whole time, you know. But yeah, I laughed my ass off. Why not? And I mean, they got some pretty people to be in there. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean. Like uh, like they said in the neighbors, like Seth Rogen says that basically Zach Efron's whole body is just an arrow pointing at his dick. So yeah. Uh, let's see here. Next, Upgrade the movie. Upgrade. Uh, we talked about this one when it. Uh, I think it when it came over the Netflix pile. Um, okay. I was saying that it uh, it seemed like a very very interesting concept for a movie where a guy through an accident, becomes a uh, quadriplegic, and then through technology, they're able to put a computer in him that allows his brain to still connect to his body and control it. And um, then he finds out that the computer itself is sentient and can talk to him and can control his body without, you know, with permission to allow him to become like a super, almost a freaking superhero. Uh, Super interesting movie. Loved every minute of it. Fantastic stuff. Uh, if you get the chance, definitely check it out. Um, I no no uh, big names were in it like at all. 
that was uh that was a little weird but uh you know uh it it kind of adds to it though in its own little way because you're not distracted by anybody you know hey that's that guy from whatever you know so cool stuff all right uh then <laughs> this is on our little iPhone talk there Sean I've actually been contemplating moving back to Android I think you mentioned that last episode. I did, but now I'm like super duper thinking about it. Like if I move, it's going to be like in the next month and probably to a Note 9. <laughs> uh, because every time I look at the freaking Note 9, it like calls my name and whispers sweet nothings into my ear and it cuddles me and promises that it'll be the big spoon and won't let anything ever happen to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really... I that got I, really weird. I'm really wanting that phone pretty bad. Um, to the point where I may not wait to see what Google and Apple come up with, because I don't think either of them are going to wow me in any way. Uh, if the leaks are to belie- be believed with the notch and everything that are going to be on the Pixel 3, I'm not interested. Uh, and Apple has a tendency to take away a feature and then never, ever, ever bring it back. So the fact they took away the fingerprint reader on the iPhone X means that it's probably only going to be the lower tiered iPhone that's going to have a fingerprint scanner. And I, you know, whether or not that's going to be powerful enough for me is yet to be seen. So the note nine has everything I want in a phone. You know, I might, might just have to go back to them. So, yeah. And then <clears throat> I bought, um, LA noir for my Nintendo switch. So, it's I mean it's an older game, but it was on sale for like twenty bucks. Um, it's twenty bucks worth of gameplay. Uh, I played it on the console. It looks really good, plays really well. The controls for driving, I think they've always been <clears throat> janky, but they feel a little janky. Um, I think they were like that back in the day whenever I played it the first time on Xbox 360. Anyway, but who knows? Maybe I'm remembering wrong. Uh, on the TV. It looks fantastic. I mean, it looks... I Honestly, it looks better than I remember it looking back on Xbox 360, to be honest. Um, so if you like uh, open-world mystery-type games, L.A. Noir, it's on the Switch. It was on sale when I bought it. I don't know if it'll be on sale after this episode. But uh, it is... It is. I mean, it is the old game from the 360. It plays exactly the same. Uh, so it's a little bit of a nostalgia trip. All right. Well, um, we found out what some of the audio issues were, Sean. Um, we think you, we think you have a bad cable. So right, right. You got some new cables on the way. We'll fix that. I didn't hear the pop anywhere else in the show, so that's good. We we can. That's because I didn't jiggle the cable. Exactly. So we can narrow. Would you it like down. me to jiggle the cable? I would not. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> did I touch it? You did. <laughs> um, see, there it is. Jesus. Uh, so hopefully it's definitely the cable. Yeah. So hopefully the new cables will fix that. Uh, we did have to switch to Skype, uh, halfway through the show. Uh, hopefully you guys won't really notice the switch, but because for some reason, Sean's bandwidth dropped out and I wanted to make sure it was not discord that was causing the problem. Uh, so if you guys don't mind bearing with us for a couple episodes, we're going to have to feel our way around either discord or maybe, um, switching to mumble, that was the runner-up to Discord, and I only didn't pick Mumble. Um, I had my own Mumble server, but the only reason I didn't pick Mumble is because I figured the setup would aggravate Sean too much. 
I have to keep it. Uh, I'm as, sure it will. I have to keep it as few button clicks as possible. Otherwise, Sean gets really pissed off. <laughs> and then spends like 20 minutes before the episode begins telling me how much bullshit it is that things don't work just when they start and get plugged in. That's so. bullshit. It's bullshit. All right. So... Thanks for joining us for this episode, guys. Thanks for hanging with us, and we will talk to you in the next one.